And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty. Former Braves reliever, you guys might remember him. Eric was, Eric was fucking dominant, man. Eric, what's up, man? Nothing. Checking in. Eric, are either of your kids showing uh, triple digit arms yet? You think? The, the, yeah, the, my six year old, my three year old is pretty scatterbrained, but my six year old has a cannon. He, you he? know, I mean, he's he's still he's not coordinated because he's way too big for his age so he's kind of like a giant great dame puppy but when he puts the throw together man he's he's got a good arm most important question did you put the ball in their left hand to make sure they throw left-handed no they both just did it my, both my, left-handed yeah but wow. my three-year-old kind of just throws with whatever hand he picks it up with i've been i've been thinking about putting it in his hand and just kind of you know getting him used to it but yeah i don't know man i mean i'm not going to be one of those dads that yeah tries to groom a big leaguer. I mean, just, just have him enjoy the game. I wonder, uh, I've always wondered how much of that is, is genetic. I'm sure there's studies on this that would tell me this, but I haven't looked it up. And how much of that is emulating your dad when it comes to throwing and hitting, because I throw right-handed, but hit left-handed. And I know that's because my dad did, because my dad was our little league coach. My dad, whenever he took us in the backyard, whatever. So I just naturally started hitting left-handed, even though I'm right-handed. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the hands you use, you know, your dominant hands, probably a pretty natural thing that you just do on your own, but mm-hmm. definitely the mechanics and the movements, like, I think a lot of it's genetic, just how your body function, you're naturally going to try to move and, and be similar mover to your parents. But yeah, I mean, if you watch like Vlad Guerrero Jr., yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> whether he watches that or not, you know, I mean, that's, that's yeah. the big debate for me is any of these guys that you or Mike Cameron's son, you watch them running around in the outfield and doing things and it looks just like their dad. That's one of my favorite things to watch in baseball. Well, let's get a, get to a couple of Braves things. And we're going to talk about some bigger, uh, some big picture stuff with baseball. Um, Ozuna, this was, uh, I, I mean, at, at some point, I know you can't look at it this way if you're the Braves and you don't want to look at it this way if you're a fan, but at some point you go, man, I wonder if it's just not meant to be this year because where they avoided having all the serious injuries last year, except for the notable one with Soroka. This year, they have had so many, so many significant injuries in the first two months of the season, including Soroka again. Yeah. But when you lose two of your four, you had four Silver Slugger award winners last year, the only team in the majors that had four. You've already lost two of them to significant injuries that are going to keep them out between probably two and three months. Azuna being the second one after you'd already lost Darno to a torn thumb ligament that might keep him out half the season. Now Ozuna goes down the other night 
sliding into third, catches his left hand on Deaver's cleat up in Boston. And it kind of it kind of is indicative of the season that the Braves have that he didn't have the oven mitt on because he always wears that oven mitt protective thing. I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet since the injury. We haven't had him on a Zoom or anything. We haven't gotten to the clubhouse yet. So, um, but my first question I think is going to ask Azuna, why weren't you wearing that that night? That you always wear that oven mitt, which prevents that's the sole purpose is to prevent yeah. hand finger injuries like this. And he caught his hand on cleat on his cleat when he was sliding head first. Again, they always some of the guys slide head first, but in his case, it was probably the only way you were going to get around him. But caught his hand it was nasty if you saw it those two fingers were bent oh, yeah. like at a 45 degree angle but their hope was that they were only dislocated the two the ring finger and the middle finger turns out when he flew him back to atlanta the next day what x-rays didn't catch the fractures but the ct scan and the mri did he has fractures both of those fingers he's going to avoid surgery but he's going to be out at least six weeks and i could see where it could be longer than that so i mean i know it wasn't hitting yet but he was still a presence in that lineup, and you knew he was due to go on a tear by the fact that he had not hit much in the first two months. Now well, you're he, losing. He did it after he crushed the ball too. Yeah, <laughs> he, he yeah. it's felt like he's you know kind of like where Freddie was at because Freddie for me is getting. I mean, he's locked yeah. back in now, but kind of where Freddie was at, where he'd have a game or two that you'd think, all right, this is it, he's going to get going, and then another. You know, it's kind of like. One step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back. I mean, just kind of staying where he was. But yeah. at any minute, you feel like he was about to get hot. So it definitely hurts. It definitely hurts losing him at, at this time. But you know, I mean, it, you could look, you could have argued for a lineup change a little while ago, and now you got Riley probably moving up and, and get to see how that goes. And Albies. And Albies, yeah. Yeah, they're in your three three and four slots now. Um, yeah, the fortunate, uh, really fortunate that Albies is raking now and Riley has been on this, uh, career best tear. I mean, for, for yeah. now for, for five weeks. Uh, so that, you know, if you didn't have that, you would really be in a, in a pickle. Um, but nevertheless, you still, you got to find a replacement, whether it be in, inside the organization or out, uh, there's all kinds of options inside the organization. None of them particularly great, but. Uh, you know, I know that that uh, Alex Antopoulos is checking around all over baseball. You know, if he can make a trade without giving up the farm, because, you know, you're not looking. You don't need a guy long term. You got outfielders. You don't need to add an outfielder that is going to clog one of those spots. But you need a guy now. So if you could get a guy on an expiring contract or you know, maybe with one year left, I, I threw out Peralta's name from Arizona because – it's got to be from a team that's out of it, obviously, because a good team's yeah. not going to trade a good player in May. Well, yeah, the Cubs would have been perfect too if, if they if the Cubs were like, you know, ten games, twelve games out of it, and not feeling like they can compete. But they're still, I mean, they're still winning. They're twenty six and twenty two because yeah. Bryant would be perfect because you could plug him yep. anywhere, you know, when, when Ozuna comes back. But that's just not happening, and it's it's way too early. It's hard to make a trade right now because nobody knows where they're at yet. Yeah. The Diamondbacks are out of it, and, they're, and yeah. they've lost like 10 in a row. So they're a perfect team if you wanted to do it. But Peralta signed for one more year. Very affordable. $7.5 million this year, same next year. He's not going to hit you 30 home runs, but he's a solid player. I mean, he's leading the he's league good, in triples man. right now. Yeah, 110 OPS plus since the start of last season. Hits for a high average. And he won a gold glove in 2019. Yeah. So if you could do that, you'd make your team a lot better. <laughs> yeah, 
It's just, after. it's so hard to make that trade, especially after an injury. You know, teams know you're desperate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Braves have got, obviously, we've talked about this before. They've got a lot of prospects. Some of them, I think they've held on to a couple of them too long. They've had less value now than they would have a year or two ago. You got to make that trade if you can do it without giving up, you know, multiple top prospects. If it takes a solid prospect and a French guy, I'd do it for that, for a guy like Peralta. I would do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a guy like that would be ideal because you feel like you wouldn't have to give up the farm for him, you know, and also being so early in the year for the Braves too, you don't even know if you're ready to go for it yet or or really what your situation is. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they have high expectations, but this year's had a, it's had a weird feel to it. Right. But they're not in a position to step back and go, okay, we're not going for this year. And I have to win in three in a row. And you're still one, yeah. one and a half games out of first. I mean, going all in and, and right. trading like some big time prospects for a big time player. I got you. Yeah. And they don't have the salary. They don't have the budget to do it either right now. You know, to add a huge, like somebody said, uh, uh, Gallo. Well, Texas is, you know, they might not be going anywhere, but he's a guy not making much money and he's not free agent for a long time. And he's, I mean, that would cost a lot to get Gallo. They're not yeah. going to give up Gallo. You're going to give up multiple top prospects for him. Uh, you know, Justin Upton is available, but he's making 23 million this year. Then it goes to 28 next year. So Angels would have to co- cover a ton of that to make it work for the Braves. And yeah, he ain't, he ain't the Justin Upton that he used to be either. No, didn't know he, just over 200. Yeah, I, I don't know. Power. I mean, you. you you never know what AA is going to do. I mean, sometimes right, you, you just know. pull somebody out of the, yep. hey, you know, but. Yep. Um, he can pull things out of his ass better than just about anybody. Stuff that does not get talked about at all. You know, we'll speculate about 10 guys and it'll be somebody was not speculated yeah. about. So, and then the guy, you know, there's, there's the obvious ones that I'm just mentioning ones that maybe people haven't considered to death because the obvious ones within the organization have been, have been tossed around now for a while. Um, the one that jumps out to me in the organization is Orlando Arcia, who they got from the Brewers early in April in a trade for two minor league pitchers. You got him in case somebody got hurt in the infield, like Dansby got hurt or Riley got hurt. Uh, you could plug him in for an extended period. You didn't get him to pinch hit, and you know that's why he's not here as a, a Camargo type. That's not why yeah. they got him. Well. He's played a little bit of outfield. He's obviously athletic enough. He played center field for four innings, I think. You could, uh, I'm, I'm, I think you're with me and the same as Snit. You don't want to move Riley because he's playing. I don't want to change anything with him. He's yeah, playing, you know, far above average uh, third base defense. Yeah, you know he's playing strong third and getting better all the time over there. And with the way he's raking, I don't think you want to play him out of position again in the outfield. He can handle it, but he's going to be out there. It's a different thing, and he's thinking about this. Okay, I got whole a whole new set of things I'm thinking about that I haven't thought about before, you know, before now, because he's been playing third base every day. I, I just would fear disrupting that, that kind of rhythm that he's in at third base right now. And, and how yeah. well that third, that defense is playing uh, infield defense. I mean, that's where my head's at with him is just when somebody's like a, on a tear, like he is just don't touch it. You know, yeah. I mean, I think Garcia could handle left field. That's probably the easiest position to plug somebody into. I mean, not to not to besmirch uh, Ozuna while he's hurt, but I mean, RC Capai played as well as, as Ozuna, yeah. or better. Yeah. You know, yeah, kind of a better arm for sure. So we'll see. RC, he's not the panacea or anything. He's not going to come in and hit a ton of home runs, but he's 
he's he raking, play, though. He's raking yeah. a triple A yeah. and he can play. Yeah, he's a solid little player. So you could do that. Another one that kind of jumps to me because everybody's saying Drew Waters, and I'm looking at Drew Waters' stats at AAA. He's just not ready yet. And after you did it with Pache, we thought he was ready, but there was still some question. He had a bad spring, and you still put him in there hoping that he would turn it on when the season started. Well, it didn't. He looked overmatched, and he got sent down. Do you want to do that with both of your top outfield prospects that you had a year ago? Have both of them come up and risk? Yeah, because Waters is striking out once every three at-bats in AAA, you yeah. know? hitting 250, and basically all of his power came in about a four-game stretch where he hit three home runs in two games. But before and since that, he's done nothing. So I don't think he's ready. The guy, to me, if you're going to go in the organization, uh, you got, you know, you could you could go with what you got now and have Adrian's out there, but it hurts your your bench, obviously, if you play him yeah. out there a lot. You got, uh, you, you got uh, Heredia who's played well this year, you could yep. plug and mix and match that. You could go that route, and I think you'll be okay. But you could also try Demerit, Travis Demerit, who's a former top prospect. He's bounced around. Is he on he played, the 40-man? No, you have to make no. a move. But you're going to make a move with Ozuna anyway. He's going to go on 60-day DL. Yeah, so that opens up think, I would think. I mean, he's he six, six yeah. weeks, yeah. Um, but Demerit is a guy with some pop, and he is – Killing, he's he's OPS in eleven hundred, I think, at AAA. Still, he strikes out way too much, but he's hitting for an average, good average, getting on base, got a high OBP. So it's like one of those he's either getting hits or striking out. But he's he's yeah. uh, very athletic, really athletic, and he can play certainly play the position well. So there's another one possibility if they can't pull off a trade, you don't want to go with the guys you've got and kind of mix and match. But well, I think you at least try with the guys you've got. Yeah, you know why you try to let a trade formulate and mm-hmm. just buy time to have to make a move. But you know, I mean, you just and I don't think they'll do it. But you don't want to do anything drastic and go out and you know give up some guys you you might you might want down the road. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is all in May. They've lost Darno to a thumb ligament injury, probably out three months. They lost the guy who was becoming the biggest story of the year for the Braves, Huascari Noah. They lose him when he punches a, a, a seat in the uh, dugout in Milwaukee to a broken hand on his pitching hand. He's mm. out a couple of months. Then it'll take another month if they build him up to start. The other option is it's going to be so late in the season, depending on where the rotation is, because it's been pitching well, really well lately. Could put him in a bullpen just to get, you know, to, to get some use out of him so you don't have to build him back up. Yeah. You know? Get him back sooner. Right. 
And Soroka, who they thought was going to be back in April in the rotation, has a setback. And now he's out, you know. He's probably not coming back. This year. This year. Yeah. You know. So I, yeah, he's out indefinitely. We haven't even had the surgeon hasn't reevaluated him since he went and did the exploratory to see how much that cleanup procedure did and what the next course is. But, yeah, I'm not counting on him at all to pitch this season. So that's in, that's in le- less than four weeks that's happened. Star-crossed, yeah. man. I wrote that today. It's, I, it's been a testing year for, I, I'm sure, for the team, too. You know, like this. Yeah. They just can't seem to get it going like they were the last few years. But that's the good thing about such a long year. I know we're, we're almost a third of the way through it now, but there's still plenty of time to get hot. Yeah. What uh, the Mets certainly aren't going to shed any tears. They've had 16 guys on the I.L., Right now, Syndergaard just had another yep. setback with his elbow. Syndergaard's the Giancarlo Stanton of pitchers, man. Yeah, he can't stay healthy. What well, he they did both- that? That goes back to what I was talking about. You know, I mean, he's already a big dude, and yeah, ripped. He's, like I Stanton. think he said he wanted to throw 104 or something one year, and he put on another 20 pounds of muscle that I mean, you're already throwing 100. You know, you stand he- up next to Stanton, they might have the two most impressive physiques in baseball. Them and Judge. Yeah. What do they have in common? They're all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's something to it. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know the science, but it seems to happen a lot with those shredded guys. So the Mets, so the Mets get a new owner, man. And, you know, I was ready to give them the benefit of doubt that they wouldn't keep Mets in it up, you know, with the new owner that he's going to be able to throw money. It's like they're cursed, man. They cannot, they get Lindor, they sign him to this huge contract. He's playing like puke. He's under 200 still. I'm shocked. When they got Lindor, I thought this is a guy that could change the culture. This is a stud. This is a guy that's always upbeat. He's positive. He's a great dude to have on your team in the clubhouse. And I don't know if they've, the atmosphere there has brought him down or if he's just so intimidated by playing in New York and the contract, but he cannot get it going, man. I know it's it's weird. I I thought by now he he'd clean it up, but it's definitely. I mean, it's a different, obviously a different pressure than playing in Cleveland. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's kind of what I've talked about before. Is when you struggle, there's even if the main guys don't want to ask the question, there's seven or eight other media members, you know, just floating around just to ask a hard question and give you a hard time, and you can tell they thrive off it. You know, so. It, it could be something where he's just hasn't gotten comfortable or he's feeling pressure, but every day that goes by that he's still hitting 200 is going to be harder to get out of that mentally and, you know, numbers wise. All right. Listen, I wanted to ask about a couple of things. Joel Sherman, my buddy up in New York, wrote a great column the other day about three things that he recommended that could be done to improve offense. Cause I mean, hitting batting average is like at an all time low, man. It's like, and and it's making for some unwatchable games. I mean, and that's from somebody like you that loves the sport, loves watching baseball. But I could understand where people might tune in some of these games. I mean, I paid to watch them, so I watch them. But there's some of them that are just so deathly dull this year because of the lack of offense. And it's a combination of things. And obviously, pitching is just so much better than it ever he- ever it has been. But the analytics, the shifts, everything is just combined. It's this perfect storm that has made the game more more lean towards pitching right now than, than at least since before they lowered the mound. Um, 
but Joel had three recommendations and I tend I agree with all of them. He said, I know you have a problem with the first one, but he said, lower the strike zone as a pitcher. You had a problem with this from, from being a force at the shoulders to uh, halfway between the shoulders and the belly button being the top of the strike zone instead, because the, the thing being everybody's throwing high heat now because with launch angles, especially it's like, it's almost impossible for guys to hit 98 up here in the zone where they're at the top of the zone where they're throwing. The other was, and then then you could address all these. The other was uh, enforcing the sticky substance rules. In other words, so many people are using sticky substance now. Everybody. It it seems like it. Every pitcher. And they've refined them, the sticky substance. So uh, you're getting the spin rates now. Now that people can super slow motion, can watch pitches and shape pitches and look at and track their RPMs, they're doing whatever it takes to get more RPMs. So enforce that rule that's already on the books, which you saw Joe West do. Um, and the third was shifts. This is this discussion's gone on for five, six years at least now. But I think it's time. And I've always been one of those that uh, I was, I was, I was on the fence about. You don't change rules that have been there for over hundred years. The game's fine the way it is, the way it's been always played. Batters need to adjust, take advantage if they give you the if they shift to the right side on. But that's easier said than done when guys are throwing 100 with 92-mile-an-hour sinkers. And the bigger issue to me is what advanced analytics have done, yeah. why, why, the, why the, old, uh, the old way of looking at it doesn't really apply anymore because you didn't have advanced analytics in those first 100 years yeah. that told you exactly where to position players on the field to – most accentuate being able to take our to better to give them the best opportunity to take away hits that didn't exist before. Now hitters announced mean, position players know exactly where to be. And we're just seeing 10 hits taken away every night. It seems like by guys positioned where if they were lined normally, those are hits and it's just gone too far to that extreme. I think and it's time to, to have some restrictions on, uh, on where infielders can stand as far as being on the dirt, being on, two of them on each side of the uh, second base, that kind of thing. Your thoughts on any of those? Well, I mean, the shift thing, I go back and forth on because you see guys actively go up there and try to hit the ball the other way, and it, and it seems to work. you know. And I, I, Some guys. Part, some guys, Very but few. other guys don't even try, and other guys just pound balls into the shift. You know, yep. The thing I, I, asked, I asked hitters about this, Six seven years ago, when when they really started shifting guys like BMAC, BMAC mm-hmm. used to get that top spin single to the right side, just to the left of the first baseman. Second baseman couldn't get it, and it just scooped through the infield. Pujols, Pujols hit a ton of top spin singles that seemed to just take off. And I would ask the guys about it. And back then, I think Daniel Murphy even said it out loud. You know, back then it was, well, I'm not going to put up my numbers hitting singles. You know, I get paid to hit doubles and home runs. So I'm going for those. If I ground out in the shift, that's fine. You know, that's that's just part of the game. And guys like BMAC, Pujols, Daniel Murphy, if they hit a single, their logic is they just clog up the bases anyway. You know, they're not scoring on the next guy's single or doubling the gap. They're probably going station to station. And I didn't like that logic because I, I didn't think, you know, as a pitcher, giving up a cheap single and then another cheap single – you know, it's so frustrating. You eventually make some mistakes and, and you make the pitchers work that way by hitting singles off them. All of a sudden, there's a bigger hole on the right side because the first baseman has to hold the runner on. You know, the way the inning develops from a pitching standpoint, 
the most frustrating innings are when you pitch against those teams that are willing to to take their single. You yeah. you, you throw to big sluggers that are trying to take you deep and you make a good pitch to ground ball, you're getting out. But the teams that are like willing to flip the ball over shortstop, you know, like Freddie does so much, those are the frustrating hits you give up when you make a good pitch and still give up a hit. Um, so, I mean, I go back and forth on that all the time, but I definitely think, you know, you watch a game now, line drive up the middles and out. They almost take the pitcher's head yeah. off and there's somebody standing there. Sometimes yes. it's a double play. The ball Acuna yes. hit last night, Acuna hit a ball like 115 miles an hour in the six hole. Shortstop was just standing there. You know, because you got the second baseman tapered over that way. But what he do is next to bat, he actively just shot one in that hole on the right side because he's that good with the bat. So I think a big problem with it is that you're not, you might not even get called up from AAA hitting 305 with one home run. You know, the, you, the players get paid for their numbers. Um, it, it would take a change in approach to really find out if they can beat the shift. Um, but you just don't see it. So I go back and forth on that, man. I, I mean, I think. I think it's on the hitters to adjust, but I, overall, I, you know, when you watch these games, I think that somebody really advanced and a big fan of baseball can still appreciate the nasty pitches guys are throwing, the good defense and stuff. Yeah. But if your goal is to bring fans into the game, yeah, to expand the, the umbrella, no, no fan that's trying to get into baseball understands nobody's supposed to be standing up the middle. Yeah, it's just a boring game to them. It's like watching the NBA games now when the three pointers analytics have come in. And you just watch guys bombing threes and missing. You know, I mean, if you're trying to get somebody into the sport, it's really hard to do it that way. So it might be good for the sport. What about the others? What about the strike zone? Lower it, just the enforcement of it from the shoulders down to somewhere between the shoulders and the belly button. Yeah, I mean, if you gave them either more more width on the plate or lowered the strike zone a little below the knee, you know, bottom of the knee, they don't even call that. Um, I think you got to give the pitcher something because it, it seems like every single rule right now is move the mound back, make it harder to pitch. Um, I get that everybody's throwing harder, but um, that's another thing where I'm like, you know, I mean, it kind of falls on the hitters to adjust, but I understand they're up against a lot. And if you if you watch old games, they never called the high strike. So that's what makes my argument kind of tough. If you miss with a hanging breaking ball, it wasn't yeah. a strike. If you threw a fastball up in the zone, even if you hit the glove, they rarely called those high strikes and you had to get the hitters to chase them. Mm-hmm. Now you see guys setting up the gloves high. And if you hit it, the ump will call it. So the umps are calling a lot different zone now that could be making it harder on the hitters too. And the sticky substance. I mean, what do you think? How many guys that, do you think are using it? Everybody. I, mean, I was the only pitcher, my maybe one or two other guys, my whole career that didn't use that stuff. And it was just cause I was too goofy to do it. It, I couldn't throw with that sticky substance. I'd, I'd scud balls and, and hold on to the ball too long. I just, you know, if I would have worked at it, I probably could have made the adjustment. But I did try it once when I was working out at driveline. I threw a couple sliders and I added like 40, 450 RPMs to my slider just just with pine tar. I mean, I didn't change anything. And, and we compared it to when I was pitching actively and it was like 2,800 on the slider. I put that mm-hmm. sticky stuff on. It was 32 like that. And I was, I wasn't even built up. I was throwing 85 at the time. So if I had been 92, 93 mid season, I mean, I might've gotten 600 out of it. So for me, that's the one big one that you could change and enforce and, and try to give, um, try to give the hitters a better chance. Cause that for me is, is a bigger performance answer for pitchers than even steroids. Yeah. And teams have perfected their own mixes too. There's a bunch yep. of different stuff out there. You know, guys using suntan lotion with mixed with this and that. I mean, there's all different. The guys are coming up with the best possible 
uh, substance to get the most RPMs and try and try and try, try trial and error and coming up with better stuff all the time. So they're staying ahead of this. And, yeah. And they're letting I mean, them, and they're letting them do it too. If you look at the caps of the bills, nobody cap, cares. Stuff. Nope. It's, you know, it's look like Kimbrell's hat. Kimbrell's hat has a, a brown line right through Always the middle, has, both yeah. sides. And he's had that since he came into the game. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people bring up rosin and, the formula for me, like the go-to basic starter kit for everybody when they got called up was just to use sunscreen and rosin or a little mm-hmm. shaving cream on your hands and, and rosin because it makes it stick and get kind of tacky on there. But that compared to some of the stuff guys are using now, like some of these pitchers, man, they could put their hand vertical. You know, I mean, horizontal, just stick it straight out and they could just put a ball and it stick to it. Uh-huh. For me, that that is a problem because you're able to do so much when the ball is so sticky like that versus – you know, just getting a grip. And I've also seen the argument that, well, if pitchers can't use that, they'll hit guys in the head and they'll be throwing it all over the place. I'm like, they're doing that anyway. Right. You know, so you might as well, you might as well take some spin off. And that might be why guys are getting hit in the face because the breaking stuff's so nasty. They got to try to stay in on it longer. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, I talked to uh, Kevin Seitzer about this the other day. He's home rehabbing from a hip replacement, so he had some time to talk, and uh, he's home for a week on this road trip, and and I was a little bit surprised because I ran Joel Sherman's uh, three suggestions by him. And I probably shouldn't have been because Kevin is as old school as they come. Yeah. But here is a hitting coach, guy who played 12 years in the big leagues, had almost a 300 career average. And he's against any of those. Yeah. Because he said he wants, he says the game's been played the way it is. You don't need to change the rules and all this. It's up to the hitters to make adjustments. And he's like, you know, and he didn't want to really comment on the, on the, uh, on the sticky substance, I think, because, it's, I think it starts to come across as hitters against pitchers. And if you say that about pitchers, the pitchers are going to say, well, you guys shouldn't be allowed to do this and all that. But I saw somebody um, compare, it might've been Joel himself who said something about, it would be like 
the pitcher's using all the sticky substance. It would be like if you found out that some slugger, if he took a swing and, and broke his bat and a bunch of Super Bowls came out. Everybody loses their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the thing is, you know, they've let it slide for so long. And if you're going to enforce it, you got to, it's going to be a pain in the ass, you know? I mean, I know that they took Bowers balls for samples in April, nothing ever came of it. And it was, he was probably the most obvious one of all time because he made it and he made, he said it too, right? He said it, he said, if I could add 400 RPM to my fastball overnight, if I use these substances and what's he do one year, all of a sudden he has an extra 400 and he wins a Cy Young and now he's striking out 12 every time he goes out. So I don't know. They don't enforce it, but. And where do you draw the line? If you enforce it, you don't allow a certain amount. There's no way you can say, remember when Pine Tar couldn't go above a certain point on the bat, the whole George Brett thing, how big a deal that was. Well, now you look at there's, they don't enforce any of that. I don't even know what the rule is anymore, but like Ozuna's, Ozuna's bat. There's like a 10 inch strip of pine tar right in the middle that goes up halfway up the barrel. Yeah. It's like glaring, huge gob of yeah. pine tar. But uh, so the rules are changing and evolving all the time. But I don't know where you would draw the line as far as sticky substance. If you went, if this guy, how, how do you can show? Uh, he just got a little bit too much sticky substance. Well, I draw and, it at something like pine tar. You know, I mean, if you can see it on the ball. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you could see it see it on the ball versus sunscreen and rosin is not going to show up anything dark and sticky like that, like pine yeah. tar. But I mean, it's going to be so hard to enforce. You'd, you'd have to make it a suspension for doing it, you know, because the penalty would have to be sharp enough that people wouldn't risk it mm-hmm. or guys are going to try it anyway. Cause it's that big of an advantage. But I mean, that for me is the one thing that, that you could change and, and without really changing the game too much, you know, banning the shift is like, that's major. You should be able to put the players wherever you want, but getting rid of the pine tar. I mean, that that's one thing that could at least give the hitters a shot. Um, and like I I mentioned to Kevin, I was like, I know what hitters have always been of this, of the mindset that they didn't mind if pitchers used a little of that because it gave them a little more control and they'd rather go up there knowing the guy's not going to, it's not going to slip out of his hand, hit him in the head. They're getting hit in the head anyway. Right. And the thing is, they scuffed the balls up for that reason because the ball is slick. Without yeah. when it comes out of the box, it's slick. oh, it's like a cue ball. But that's why they scuff them all up. And in the big leagues, they scuff them better than they do get you know, other because they got people that sit there and do that. And they got a certain exact type of mud that they use to do it. Couldn't they scuff the balls a little more if they banned sticky substances in order for the balls to be even less slick? So they well, would Jap- say Japan uses a different material that's a little stickier. And guys, guys go over there and they have no problem gripping the ball. And that's yeah. kind of been my problem with it all the time. I'm uh-huh. like, why do we make the ball so slick right. in the first place? Because I couldn't grip them. You know, I, w- I would spit all over my hand and just let it get kind of sticky. And, and I'd have to do it between every pitch, just load up with spit. Yeah. Um, which See guys probably, do it licking their fingers all the time. I mean, I was probably cheating in my own way, you know, not really knowing it. Because then I was getting grip and, and having a little wetness to the ball that makes it kind of sink and do different stuff right. too. But like a um, there's just no point. There's no point that there's no reason why the ball has to be so slick yeah. <laughs> unless you want it to go farther. I don't know if, you yeah. know, more texture on there would make the ball carry less. I, would I know they so. want, they want home runs too, but that, I mean, that's something that they, they I don't know why they have, because I haven't heard them looking into that because you could do this. You could, you could restrict sticky substances if you made the ball less sticky. You could get rid of rosin. You could get rid of everything if you did that. If the ball just had some tack to it and you could just, Mm -hmm. if you could just grip it, you wouldn't need any of that. And that cancel it out right away. So that'd be a a pretty easy solution if you ask me. Well, 
all things they need to consider because they need to do something because the trend right now is getting going towards a game that's just uh I, I, I mean I I can appreciate I can appreciate uh, well pitched games where there's only two hits the entire game, but like you said, you're trying to bring more fans into it. Young people don't yeah. want to sit there and watch. When you got number four starters two with hits. a no hit bid into the seventh yeah. every night, it's yeah. Look at it's the people rough. throwing no hitters. I mean, they're like, yeah. come on, man. Are guys with like career losing records and five ERAs the year before that kind of thing. Yeah. And that goes against the whole, oh, you know, this is this is why hitting so bad is because pitchers are so good. And then the guys throwing no hitters are throwing 90 miles an hour. Right. Right. All interesting stuff. Well, you know, uh, going back to the Braves, the 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 timing of this couldn't be worse as far as this latest injury, because they are in this stretch now. They're entering the, the hardest part of their schedule, at least the first half schedule. I haven't really gone through the second half with a fine tooth comb, but this is the uh, this is the stretch where they needed to be at their best, and they've really played a lot better baseball lately. They, they came into Boston, they won their fourth straight. They had a chance for a career, for a season high five game winning streak, and uh, so they had a lot of momentum going their way. And uh, they set up for a split there, which is fine. You I mean now you go to New York for the weekend. If you could come home from this trip with a with a three two record, that's, that's a big fine. trip. You know, yeah, yeah. but. It's just you keep having to replace guys, key guys, and you wonder how long you can keep doing it. But, you know, fourth time they've got to 500, by the way. Every time they've lost that game, usually they've lost a couple of games and stepped back. But this team has not had a winning record all year, and we're almost a third of the way now. It's crazy how yeah. they keep getting to 500 and then they lose. Just kind of treading water, honestly. But, you know, I mean – the. That's why it's 162 games, and if they can get hot and have a crazy couple months, I mean, you see teams that are just in in the middle of the pack get hot in August and yeah. and take it deep, and you know the team's potential. I think that's probably what makes it the hardest, it makes it so hard to watch is that this isn't yeah. the team everybody knows. You know, right. I mean, you, you're used to them even that game last night that you're used to them keeping it close and then yeah. scoring those runs in the ninth. But when they get down five this year. Yeah. It feels like it's a wrap. You know, they're down three or four late. They just haven't been making those comebacks. And that's part of the, you know, the bullpen depth, too. They haven't been keeping the games close like they did yep. last year to give them the opportunity to come back. Um, a streak, another streak that ended last night, besides their four game winning streak, was one that I think surprises a lot of people because we're thinking how, how struggling the rotation was in for much of April. Remember, they were like, oh, this rotation's not was supposed to be they good. And it's a disaster. Well, they had last night, until last night, when Drew Smiley got knocked around a little bit for seven runs and five and a third innings, coughed up two leads. Before last night, they had a run of eight consecutive games with six or more innings from their starting pitchers, which was the longest streak in the majors this year, which also says yeah. something about where pitching is right now when teams aren't getting six innings most nights yeah. from their starters. But they had, they they went uh, like sixteen out of twenty, and had a two point two zero ERA in that stretch from the starters. So this rotation's been doing really well, man. Since yeah, Smiley came back from the IL, a lot better pitcher, and Free has been the guy he was last year since he came off the IL. He's been dominant. Yeah, and if Noah doesn't right punch the dugout, yeah. you know, I mean, what do those numbers look like with him still? Because he was doing, he was the best starter for most of the season. Yeah, yeah. And Charlie, Charlie Morton is pitching like he's pitching really well lately. Yeah. Uh, they're getting a lot of guys that were struggling early. I figured it out, come off the IL, whatever they had to do. And uh, so. Ian's been good. 
if they can get Shane Green back from, uh, he's had a couple of really good outings at, uh, at, at Gwinnett should be ready. I would think after this road trip, if they can add him to the pen, keep Chris Martin healthy, uh, you know, hopefully they can avoid, you know, I think the overtaxed mentor at Matzik early, but now that they're getting green and, and, and are able to, and, and have Martin back off the IL, maybe use those guys a little less. So the bullpen should be a lot better. It's, it showed good signs lately, notwithstanding a couple of games here in the last week, but they've, uh, they've made progress for sure. Um, Cause you're going to have to pitch better well down the stretch. Now that you've lost, you know, so many guys from your lineup, there's no doubt you're not going to be scoring like you did last year. And you're not going to be able to count on those comebacks night after night. It's still a good lineup, though, even losing yes, Ozuna. You know, I mean, it, it's been – Acuna, Ozzie, yeah. Freddie. It's still a good Dan's lineup. Dan's pitching a lot better. And Riley's been uh, – he's been – for five weeks, he's been about the best hitter in the National League yeah. statistically. And, yeah. And Contreras rakes. I mean, I, I know – Yeah, Contreras hitting well. So, it's still a very good lineup. You're right. It's only a couple yeah. of three spots in it that are like, eh. Yeah. Dan's and Ozuna wasn't hitting. I mean, he still wasn't putting up big numbers. He just – you felt like he was going to. Yeah you know, hit and, and was about to go on a tear to kind of even things out. And that's not going to happen now. Might not happen all year yeah. now with him. So anyway, yeah, there's still plenty of reason. There still right there. Plenty of reason to believe this team can win the division. Especially it's, with the just, Mets. it's hard team. being patient. You know, yeah, if you're a fan, it's hard. It's hard being patient. When you're spinning your wheels at 500. It's hard to get excited about it. Yeah. But they, they got the potential in the team still to, to, to go on a 20 and 10 run or something like that yeah. and show everybody, you know, they are who they are. Yeah, not 20 and three, but 20 and 10, they could do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back after the Mets series. We'll be back on Monday to talk about how things are going and the Braves will have made a move. Could make a move as soon as today, later today. So stay tuned. Appreciate you guys following us. And uh, we'll be back next week for two more shows. 755 right. is real. We're out.